Number one, our process and why we do what we do, number one is because we all genuinely just love helping people and it makes our job so much fun. Like I love what we get to do for people and make their lives easier. And then number two, by controlling the process, we make sure that everything goes smoothly. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Packard here. Today on the show, I have Jules Ferris. She's my amazing business partner. And we talk about how Jules went from a bartender to a top 2% mortgage broker in the country. So at the company she's with DLC, she was just notified that she's in the top 2% out of the 25 or 2,600 agents, which is amazing. Jules and I have been business partners for four years and been so much fun to work with her and watch her grow and expand. And we started a series back when we first started called The $100 Million Journey. And our goal was to help Jules get to $100 million. So there's been ups and downs in that and lots of you know lots of lessons learned but after four years into this she's just over 60 million and things are just firing in all cylinders in terms of production and her team and her process and so i'm excited to see jules take this from you know to get that 100 million dollars maybe within the next two years so it's super awesome a couple of big takeaways from this episode first she shares a, it, her experience if you're brand new in the mortgage business and you're like well i can't do 60 million jules shares how as a brand new even before she was licensed what she did to get experience and i think you really need to have have a listen to this and take it to heart. It's, it's some great advice. She also shares two big lessons that she learned from building a team. So building a team has been one of those things that's always challenging. And, you know, we only touched on a bit in here, but there's two lessons that she picked up from this team building. And I think if you are in the process of building a team or you want to continue to build a team, this will be great for you. And then finally, we talk about her prospecting and how it's mostly done by her process. Her process is so good. The communication is so good that it literally is becoming prospecting for her. They do such a great job of the client experience that more and more clients come back, they refer. And so for her, prospecting right now is primarily done through her process, which is an amazing place to be because you get fantastic clients. These people are referred. They have, you know, high level of trust because they're friends of friends. So I think you're really going to dig this episode. Before we get started, though, one area that we absolutely specialize in is helping people go from the nine to 10 million to 25 million. I'd say if there's a sweet spot for us, that is it. We've helped countless students and clients go from 10 million to 24 or 9 million to 19. And it is for sure our sweet spot. So if that sounds like you, check out 10loansamonth.com and register for our $25 million blueprint. Our $25 million blueprint is a program we run only once a year, it's a six-week program, and we show you how to put the foundation in place to scale your business. So check out 10loansamonth.com, get on that list so you get notified when it happens. We only do this once a year, and we're super excited about this upcoming event. I think you're going to really like it. And check out this episode with Jules. Hey, Jules, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Hey, so uh, before we get started, I always like to find out about your background. So tell me about how did you get into the mortgage business? It's actually a really interesting story. It kind of fell into my lap. I was working as a bartender and manager at a local restaurant here in Kelowna. And a fellow that owned a mortgage brokerage came in for dinner one night and I served him. And as he was leaving, he pulled me aside and told me what he did and that he th thought I would be really good at this. And if I was looking for a career change, that I had a job waiting for me. And so it's pretty cool. At the time, I had been in that industry for over 10 years and I was looking for a change. I didn't know what that was going to be yet. I could not figure out what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew I wanted to do something different. And so, yeah, it came at a perfect time. I jumped at the opportunity. I took the course right away. 
And I had a job waiting for me. And I was lucky enough to volunteer with one of their top brokers before I even finished my course, actually, and got a lot of experience with her. And then once I got my license, I was able to actually start underwriting for another really top broker in the industry. And it's just learned so much from him throughout that experience. Right. And so we've been business partners for four years now, which has been so much fun. And, you know, one of the interesting things is is that when we, when I was looking at kind of who I was going to do this partnership with, one of the things that was like, that was an identifying thing was like the fact that you were willing to volunteer before you had experience, I was like, okay, that was huge feather in your cap. The second one was the guy that you work for, we both know, and we both, you know, he's a great guy, does really, ch- I'm like, if you can work on his files, mine are so easy because like he's known for the creative stuff, right? So mm-hmm. those two things were like the, for me, the, and then of course, wonderful personality and caring about clients. And, but those things were huge. And so how long did you volunteer? And how much time did you put into that? Because you had another job, I would assume. Or did you quit your job? What happened? Yeah, no. I kept working as a bartender for about a year after I got my license. As we all know, it takes a little bit of time to build things up and start making money. But yeah, I volunteered for probably about six months from before finishing my course and then a little bit after with this other broker. And then when I got into being an underwriter for the other broker, I did that for about a year and a half. And I was working on my own files during that time. But of course, I didn't have a ton of my own business then and predominantly working as an underwriter for him. Right. Okay. And so, but how much time in a week? Because anybody listening to this, reason I, want to, I want to camp out on this for just a second is because somebody who's new in the business, you have two things you have to learn. You got to learn sales. You got to learn underwriting and processing. You are like in paperwork and all the stuff that goes with that if you don't come from a banking background and you didn't. So the fact that you're willing to volunteer with this person so was that like a couple, an hour a day? What was that look like? So somebody else is thinking, hey, that's a good idea for me. What would you say? Yeah. And honestly, I can't even remember exactly looking back on it, but I'd say I volunteered probably a couple hours a day throughout the week and just did like the most basic administrative stuff for her. And she would just kind of show me the processes and I would sit in on her meetings and watch how she spoke to clients and the things that she did and stuff like that. So yeah, a couple hours a day. Okay. That's super cool. All right. So before we get started in the rest of your story, and I got lots of questions. So I love quotes, as you know. And so what's a quote that's really had a big impact on your life or business? I think I have two that I sort of live by and remind myself of every day, both in my personal life and business. And one is I work to live. I don't live to work which is a really important thing I have to remind myself of. Yeah, I'm thinking really good. I'm no, like, I have to, I have to yeah, try to remember that every right. day. It's, it's, you're, it's something you're aiming at, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. And, what's the, and the other one is don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> so how, how have you applied one of those quotes to your life or business? I would say, I mean, I apply both to my life and business every day. The first one, you know, I work to live. I don't live to work. I would say the way that I've applied that, and I've really tried to focus on it in the last one to two years, especially because I got really carried away with working before that. And it's just to set boundaries. So, you know, this business that we're in is so demanding and it, everything's so time sensitive and urgent that, you know, you can very easily work 12 or 14 hours a day, seven days a week. And so you have to set boundaries. It's the only way that you're going to have a life. So for me right now, that's, I don't work weekends. 
Friday, I shut off and I take the whole weekend for myself to relax and recharge and do things that I enjoy. And my morning routine is non-negotiable. I do not start work until 9 a.m. And I'm... Do you check email or anything? Or what do you do before night? You look at nothing. anything? So I do a little bit. So I used to wake up at six o'clock in the morning and I would literally wake up and open my laptop and start my day. And it would go until gosh, 11 or 12 right. at night sometimes. And so I was highly, oh, I was highly anxious and stressed all the time. And so my morning routine is I have to do these things before I start my day so that I start it from a place of peace and calm and in a good spot. So I don't work, but I have a team. And so what I typically will do is I will go in and I will just forward emails to my team for things that they can start working on so that that's sort of taken care of. And then I can focus on my morning routine without having to stress about anything. Okay. So you basically handed off anything that you need to be handed off and then do your morning routine. Okay. So then you take Friday off and you also don't do any meetings on Mondays, right? That's another little quirk that you have. Yes. Yeah. I because I, I popped own... into your, the office on Monday. And I'm like, "Where's Jules?" She's like, <laughs> Becky's like, "She ain't coming in." Like, I'm like All right. so, why so yeah. Do so that? Tuesday to Friday are the only days we book meetings, whether in person or over the phone. Monday, I keep completely open for myself and. Part of it is just to give myself a little bit more personal time and personal development time. But it's also because I find that Mondays in our business are the busiest day of the week. People hold off sending you things all weekend and suddenly you get a flood of emails Monday morning. And so I always found that to be so challenging to work around when you already have a full schedule of meetings and I'm able to just really get set up for success for my week by taking the day just without meetings. Not off, but without meetings. Right. So you don't have stuff scheduled so that you can be responsive to like, hey, this call this realtor, call this client, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. That makes sense. All right. So let's talk about failure. So obviously as a business owner, mortgage broker, failure happens, but it's never final or fatal. What's a failure had? And then looking back, the lesson that you learned from it. I would say just thinking about my business would be the challenge that I had hiring a team for sure. It took me a while. I definitely had some failures within that and it was a big challenge for me. So that's a big one that stands out for sure. I think like for me, when I started to hire a team, I mean, I've never been a business owner before. I've never had to hire uh, staff before. And so I didn't even know where to start or how, what, who to look for or what to do or what to pay them. And so I feel that I don't think I was properly compensating originally for the positions I was hiring for, not really knowing what to pay. And I think a lesson from that would be you really do get what you pay for. Right. Um, and if you want someone who is not only going to be the, you know, at the level that you want them to be at, but also to really stick around and not constantly be looking for something better, I think you do have to pay them accordingly. And then secondly, I feel like I didn't really understand who to hire. And I was trying to hire, basically the way I looked at it was if somebody's going to come in and look after my business, I want them to be just like me. So I was trying to hire me. And that's a a huge huge mistake though. Oh, huge mistake that mortgage brokers make. But anyways, keep going. Big time. Yeah. And so, yeah, my, my lesson from that absolutely is you hire yourself. You're basically hiring your competition. You're training them to leave you to become a mortgage broker. And not only that, you know, they're not going to be fulfilled in the role that you need them to do. So if they are you, they want to be Just like you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be like, I, this is fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity, but I got to go build my own thing. This is what you totally. would do. 
Totally. And so, yeah, that was certainly, uh, gosh, you would remember probably, I feel like yeah, we I know had all about- this, I know the whole story, backstory. We're not going to get into all of the whole backstory. But I think, yeah, we yeah. went through like three, maybe four different people in a yeah. year and a half. And it was just because of those mistakes. So Right. So yeah, that the whole pay peanuts, get monkeys, first lesson. The second one about not hiring yourself. And, you know, the other thing that I observed anyway, was your willingness to look outside our market. Because and for a time, we were always trying to find somebody that you could walk down the hall and go see, like in particular for the underwriting role. And mm-hmm. it was when you were like, okay, fine, just find me the best person wherever they are. And then it was mm-hmm. like, oh, our whole world expanded and we found somebody amazing that couldn't because a family wouldn't move to where you live, but it actually works really well. Totally. And in this day and age, realistically, you do not need to see each other face to face to be able to get the job done. So it's perfect. Right. Yeah, completely. Okay. So in terms of, I always like to talk about leads, teams, and systems. What about in terms of systems, what's something that you've changed or improved in the last year? I would say in terms of our process with our team, it's constantly evolving and we're always trying to find ways to enhance our client experience. And you learn as you go. And so I think one of the things that we implemented this year, among others, like we've got so many different templated emails that we're sending out and reminders to our clients and, you know, mortgage costs break down. And we're just really simplifying things and making it easier for our clients. But I would say the number one thing this year that's really made a difference is we are controlling the lawyer appointment now. I have really found that you can do this amazing, amazing job throughout the entire process. And then suddenly the client goes to the lawyer a couple of days before completion. And everything unravels. <laughs> and there's some crazy surprise. Something's come up, whether it's a mistake by the lawyer or the lender has an issue and it causes complete panic and it can, the client will forget about everything good that ever happened. Right. So we've noticed that happening a few times and thought, you know what, we're going to control this instead. So... So how do you do that specifically? Yeah. So what we do now is we get with our signing package with our clients, they sign a lawyer consent form, which allows the lawyer to share information with us at completion. And we, as soon as the file is complete, before instructions are sent, we have a templated email that we forward to the lawyer with all of the documents, with a detailed breakdown of who the client is and what they're doing. So there's no surprises, especially when it's purchase plus improvements or bridge financing or something unique that we need to break down for them. And then I also highly recommend lawyers who I work with regularly for my clients so that we can be sure that we have that relationship. And I would say 80 to 90% of the time, the clients do use the lawyers that we recommend. So it makes it easier. And then, yeah, like if anything ever comes up, the lawyer does not reach out to the client. They call us and we put the fires out without the client ever knowing that that has happened. Because in most cases, you totally can. There's no need to concern them. And then on top of that, I always ask for the statement of adjustments for a purchase or the order to pay for a refinance before the client goes in and signs so that I can review the numbers and make sure they're accurate. And there's often mistakes that we correct before the client goes in. So So have have you caught errors that were going to cost the client money? Tons, but like not that they would have costed the client money. It's not not usually that. It's that it was just a mistake. It freaks the client out. We end up fixing it, but why put the client through that? So I do catch a lot of things that would have concerned the clients for sure. This is your high attention to detail that you notice these things that you're like, 
hey, wait a second, something's off with this. Oh yeah, I totally do. And I'm very detailed in my emails to my clients ahead of time with a breakdown of the numbers and how everything should look. So it's a simple reference, the email I sent, does it match the numbers? Perfect, we're good kind of thing. Okay, so I want to ask about sales and so and prospecting. And I know how much prospecting you've been doing, which is, so what is what have you been doing to you grow your business? Because this has been a record year for you guys. So what have you been doing that's worked really well? Okay. So yes, I definitely have not focused at all on any sort of sales really to build my business, which I want to focus more on. I would say the number one thing that I did differently this year from previous years was take the 10 Realtors course, which really helped me to provide valuable information to help my clients and also grow the business. It kind of got cut short this year because of COVID. It was going really well at the beginning of the year yeah. and then people stopped buying investment properties for a while. But that definitely helped just the value add with that. But I feel like our business is naturally growing. It's kind of cool. Like this year, the largest percentage of referrals to our business are from past clients that are referring us to all of their friends and family, which is huge. Right. And it's also a highest trust, highest conversion rate. Like there's so much. And so I would say this from my, again, observing, and I wouldn't say this about every guest, but I know your business a lot better than most people's is that your guys' process is what is your, right now it does your prospecting for you. Your process is so good. The client experience is so good that at the end of it, it's turning into more deals. And so this high level of communication with the client, with the referral sources. So would you agree that that's what's really- A hundred percent. I was yeah. just going to say that. That is the number one thing that has grown our business is over the years working and adapting and growing and, you know, bettering our process. And this year, I think we've just really nailed it. And over the last, you know, year or so, and now those clients, yeah, they have such an amazing experience that they're just like, oh my gosh, you have to work with Jules' team. Like we've wowed them. So it's pretty cool. Right. I remember with the story I told when you first started working with our clients and I referred you to one of my past clients <laughs> who I'd done four mortgages for. And they're like, Scott, I don't know about this. Remember? And she's like, <laughs> it was uh, Gabby. And she's like, I, Scott, like, seriously, I'm, you know, da, da, da. and then I they email you and tell you it was the best mortgage experience they ever had, even though I did four mortgages for them before. I was like, I'm kind of happy on one hand, but I'm hurt on the other because I'm like, I'm happy that you're killing it, but I'm hurt that that was the best. Like I didn't do a better job than the four that I did for you. But um, so I thought that was super cool. Okay. Yeah, I totally agree. Your process has gotten so good and you guys are also high touch. So let's talk about that with me for a second. So like, how do you apply that high touch philosophy to your business? You mean just in terms of like relationships, like making sure that yeah, the high clients touch, are... Like, for instance, you told me an example, a story of a client who's signing out of province and what you guys, what you do for the touch okay. versus what some people just say, figure it out. What do you guys right. do? Right. And I think like, so number one, our process and why we do what we do, number one is because we all genuinely just love helping people and it makes our job so much fun. Like we, I get, I love what we get to do for people and make their lives easier. And then number two, by controlling the process, we make sure that everything goes smoothly. The and two key ones <clears throat> are caring and control. I care for you and I control you. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so we will do everything we possibly can for our clients throughout the process that is in our control to do. So as an example, yes, if we have clients out of province that have to get a notary to witness their signature, I am not going to leave that up to that person because in a lot of cases, it's an older parent that really has no idea about how to do all this. They haven't had a mortgage for a while. So we will call around. We will find the lowest rate for somebody to witness their signatures. We will book their appointment for them. We will tell 
them what's happening. We will let the client know when to go. And we will instruct the lawyer here to send the paperwork directly to that notary because oftentimes they send it to the client and tell them to send it and it just becomes confusing. So that's one thing that we do. And what kind of what is the feedback like from your clients when you do something like that, for example? Oh, it's amazing. And they're blown away that we're going to do this for them. And in so many things that we do like that, clients are like, excuse me, you're doing that for us. And for us, we do it so often. It's easy. Like it doesn't, it's would take so much more time and things would out. get lost for them to figure it out. And it's right. really quick for us. So mm-hmm. Caring and control. That's the key right there. Caring and you got to care and you got to control the process. Otherwise, <laughs> but you do. You, but yeah. you're right. The process will blow apart. Okay. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Now you can answer these as little shorter answers if you like. So what is the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Process. Process. Not like just, okay. That's a short answer. I mean, I really think like the process is so important that I, I know for myself, when I first started in this industry, my process was nothing like it is today. And it's amazing to look back on it and just see how unorganized I was and how, you know, I didn't communicate as well as I could to the clients and the overall client experience certainly wasn't where it is today. So I think process is huge and start that early. I often tell people, you know, like, and not to pick on anybody who's doing this part, if you're doing this part-time because you have to, that's fantastic. But if you're competing with somebody like Jules and her team and you're playing at this, she's going to eat your lunch. Like somebody like you guys, no offense again, it's just that you're so on the ball and the communication is so high that the only way you guys lose deals is if it's a family member or some weird situation where it's like, okay, yeah, you should probably go with your family member as a mortgage broker, but Mm -hmm. it's a highly competitive market. And by having that high level of touch and care for clients, like it's amazing. Okay. So what's one habit you think has made you successful? I don't know. (laughs) I haven't. That's made me successful. I, I would. Okay, so I, I can, I'm not going to answer for you. I, I got to be careful. I just because I, well, I always joke you're like my little sister, but I'm not going to answer. What do you think? <laughs> I think you're positive. You're positive. Like you're just so positive all the time. Doesn't matter. You're like one of those punch dummies. You know, when I was a kid, you blow them up and you hit them and they bounce and come back up. That's what you're like. You're just like, boom, back up. So I would say that's one of your characteristics. What would you think is another? Well, and that's not really a habit. So that's why I was confused. But yeah, you know what? I would totally agree with you that that would be the number one thing that has helps me to be successful is my positivity and my genuine care for people. Like I, I love to help people and it's definitely helped us to grow the business for sure. Right. Okay. So next question. So if you have an internet resource software program you use that makes your business more successful? We use Pipedrive for our CRM and love it. Works really well. It's kind of the only system that we really use as a team. Okay. And if you could recommend one book for listeners, what would it be? I always say Dustin Woodhouse's Be the Better Broker books. I think that no matter where you are in your business, there's such valuable information that he shares in all of his books. And thank you to Dustin for sharing you know, his wisdom and all of his experiences. They're definitely really important. Okay. And so we got to touch on this. We, I didn't put this in the questions we asked you, the $100 million journey. So we started off originally back you know, way back in the day, we were doing the $100 million journey video series and then life got busy. So let's, can we touch on that? So the goal was to get to hundred million, right? And so are you comfortable sharing where you're at this year? Or do you want me to like, in terms of your production, I know you're top 2% in DLC. So out of all the agents at DLC, but are you okay talking about that? Because of where you are? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. Yes. So, yeah. So 
Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, no, we had a, a huge year this year and we are, we're going to do over 60 million this year. Right. So, and you're just starting to really hit your groove. Like if, yes. if, we look, if I look back over the last couple of years, there were some definitely challenges that you had to face that were outside of work that created like lots mm-hmm. of, you know, stress and anxiety. And now you're in a sweet spot. So yeah, we are in a sweet spot. We've got an amazing team. We all work so well together. We all do our individual roles so efficiently. Our business is really consistently at the level that we want it to be at. Whereas in previous years, there were really, really low months and really high months. And I feel it's more consistent now. And I just think, yeah, we're definitely in a sweet spot. I think this is just the beginning of maybe a a few years away to hit that 100 Right. Yeah. So like, what's the goal (laughs) for next year then? So this year is going to be 60 just over 60. What do you think next year will be? I would say 80 next year. Go for 80. And cool. What do you think yep. you need to do to get to that next level? What's- I, I need to put myself out there a bit more. <laughs> you need to prospect. You need to, I, I need to prospect. Things. You need to prospect beyond your process, which is fantastic. Yeah. And then you probably need to add another person. Like, And I will. My goal actually is to hire a new team member, a full-time team member in January. So we'll have three full-time team members starting in January so that I have more capacity to be able to go out and prospect. And because I feel like, you know me, I've been focusing so much on the getting the process dialed in before I grow the business. I want to be prepared for it. And I think we are in that spot now. We're ready for it. So Right. Okay. And then last question. So this is the DeLorean question. Remember the movie Back to the Future? And so you go travel in time, go back and you could sit down with the jewels when you're first starting out. What would be the advice you'd give yourself if you were brand new in the mortgage business? I would say... I mean, number one in terms of what to do when you first get started is I would definitely have started my CRM and database software right away. I think that was the biggest thing that looking back, I wish I had done differently. Number one, like building it when you have the time to build it and getting started. It's so crazy. They don't think they need to because they're like, (laughs) I have all the time in the world. This happens all the time and people... It's, it's crazy. Just start from day one. Yeah. But like, it's like back then I had five clients or something. So I'm like, okay, hey, I know them all. I don't need to have a database to have them in it. But then all of a sudden you get to the point where you're too busy and now you can't do it. So I definitely say start your database early, start your CRM early and organize the process as though you're a hundred million dollar producer, like right away. That would be number one. And then also just for me, having moved brokerages once, I would say I would start the business out as myself, like the email addresses as myself, my own website, everything that I own. So that if you decide to make changes in the future, it is easier for you. That was something that came up. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Awesome. Well, any last, anything I should have asked you or last questions? Yeah, I think, well, I mean, a couple of things like recommendations that I would have maybe for other people as well, or for myself would be for other people. Yeah, go ahead. For other people, and I think looking back on my business, I feel like there's other parts that I wish that I had done differently. And I think, you know, just really embrace challenges that come up. Like, don't be afraid of challenges. I think that was a big thing. I'm always so hesitant to take risks and do the things I need to do because I want to be perfect. But it's like, embrace the challenges. That's where you grow. That's where you learn. Be excited about them and step outside of your comfort zone. Take risks early. That is the only way that you're going to you know, grow and learn and get better. So that would be my piece of advice for sure. Right. That's awesome. And okay. So, and where can people find you online? At JulesTerris.com. JulesFerris.com. Awesome. Jules, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. And I'm excited to get you back on when you get to that $100 million mark. Me too. Thank you.
Hey, thanks again for checking out this episode. If you've been stuck around the $10 million a year mark for a while now, you need to check out our $25 million blueprint. It is our signature program where we help take your business from 9 mil a year to 21 or from 10 to 22. And we do it in four simple steps. We have a program that we run once a year only in January called the $25 million blueprint. And to get details on this, go to 10loansamonth.com. That's 10, the number 10, loansamonth.com to find us some info on this upcoming workshop. And we hope to see you in the new year. 